Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organization. Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the Art and Power of Storytelling. I'm your host, Paul Furlong, Creative Director at Opus Media. Our guest today is Andy Bounds, who has been awarded the title Britain's Sale Trainer of the Year. His job is to help the company sell and communicate better. He's also the author of three international best-selling books. In fact, the first was only kept off Amazon's number one spot by the final Harry Potter book. He's also worked in 40-plus countries with some of the world's largest and most famous companies. And he was really chuffed when marketing legend Drayton Bird said that Andy had taught him more about effective presenting than a lady who'd previously taught two US presidents. You can find Andy online at www.andybounds.com and you can also join his online video club at www.andybounsonline.com. He's recorded loads of short videos, each giving simple techniques to help people sell and communicate better. They're super practical and super quick. You can listen to one press pause and apply the technique immediately in your next conversation. So, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Andy Bounds. Well, hi Andy, and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. I've, I've really been looking forward to this. Oh, you're welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. So, can we start um, just by maybe you telling us a little bit about who you are and, uh, and what it is you spend your days doing? Okay, so um, so my name is Andy Bounds. It's my job to help people and companies sell better and communicate better, um, and that's literally all I do, whether that be speaking at a conference and helping lots of people do that, 
or writing books that people read or what I spend most of my time going, uh, going into my customers and doing in-house stuff to help them communicate and sell better. Okay, so I imagine that story is a huge part of what you do? Oh, it's pivotal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, I want to I get on to story in a little while, but I was wondering be, before we go any further, um, you told, you've told a story about why you do what you do. I've heard it a couple of times now. Um, but for those who maybe haven't heard it, would you be able to tell us why you do what you do? Um, yeah, certainly. So, I mean, there, there's a number of reasons, but the most, the thing that drives my passion more than anything is to do with my family background. My mother is blind. Um, we have a thing called Stickler's syndrome, so I'm fortunate I can see in one eye. Um, so I'm blind in the other eye. Some of my children have inherited it, but we've had preventative surgery with them. Now, why is this relevant? Because when I was two years old, or however old you are when you learn how to speak, um, mum couldn't do the normal way that parents teach people to communicate by pointing at things and saying, that's a car, that's a giraffe, or whatever it is. Um, she could only describe. So she taught me through description uh, and nothing else. And dad was at work when I was young, so she was the one who taught me how to communicate, really. So I became extremely good at describing and at seeing the world through a blind person's um, viewpoint, if you like. Um, and in business and in life, the people you're speaking to are blind to your priorities. They're blind to your agenda. They're blind to the things that float your boat. And unless you can say things in ways that, in effect, blind people can grasp instantly and engage with instantly... Um, it just doesn't work. And that can be um, a sales team doing a multi-billion pound PowerPoint driven arm waving sales pitch, you know, right through to someone who's having a chat with their partner and they're just arguing about whose turn it is to do the washing up. You know, you've got to be able to say things in ways that blind people can get. And that's what I do. So that story had a, a profound effect on me to the point where whenever I think of communication, I think of that story. And I've certainly referred people to you because of that story. Okay, thank you. Um, so have you, can you remember ever being told a story by somebody else that's had a similar kind of impact on you? Yeah, it was in a book, um, my favorite business book. Um, it's by a guy called Fred Lee who talks about if um, Disney ran a hospital, I think it's called. And basically this guy had a lot of um, history of working in hospitals. He worked for Disney for a bit and then went back to hospitals and he found that there was a huge number of similarities between customer care in Disney that there could be in hospitals. It's just hospitals weren't used to doing it. Um, and this book is brilliant. And in his... Um, there you go. There's rule number one. Turn your phone off. Sorry about that, Paul. Um, <laughs> so and what he said in, in this story about the importance of the first thing that you say in customer care. And he was saying that his mother, as she got older, she was driving and she had a car accident, which was her fault. I think she might have fallen asleep at the wheel or something. I'm not sure what it was. And she was in a bad way. And uh, he got summoned to the hospital. And when he was going there, uh, I've got to, I feel myself feeling it's such a beautiful story. When he was going there, he was, I know what hospitals are like. Someone's going to say something and it's really going to wind me up. And he was really expressing his grief through through his mother's crash through anger, and he was about to launch it. So he said, I was itching for someone to say anything. 
And I went into the room where she was lying on the bed and she was all trussed up and all attached to all these monitors and all this stuff. And there was a nurse with her back to me looking at the monitors. And when I walked in, I said, hi, mum, I'm here now. And I was ready to fly at this nurse if the nurse said anything. And the nurse turned around and said, oh, I'm so pleased you're here. You should have seen what happened to these dials when she heard your voice. And I thought that was lovely. And I thought it just shows how important it is to... Um, really treat other people with respect, not worry about the rules of visiting hours, not worry about the rules your business has, you know, but just say the right thing at the right time. And I thought that was ace. So what is it about that story that really connects with you? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's I could, I could feel his emotion. I mean, that's not happened to me. So my mum can't drive, she's blind. But that exact thing hasn't happened. But we've all had people who we love um uh, have something bad happen to them um and we react very extremely to that so i could really empathize with him that exact situation hadn't happened but i'd i'd seen people be rude to my mum i've seen people like have a go at my friends before i've you know been in a pub and seen somebody hit another person and you know so i've been i've seen situations that i don't like and i remember um the emotion the negative emotion you feel and i could really sense how he would turn that into God, I am itching for someone to have a go at me so I can vent this stuff and I just think I really connected with him um, and also I thought if I was that nurse I would have thought when I went home that night thinking God I did exactly the right thing then I mean you just want to you just desperately want to say the right thing to someone who's hurting like he obviously was and um, I don't know, I just think it ticks so many boxes. I could empathise with him, I could empathise with the nurse, and I just thought it was great. Excellent. Um, that, that is a really affecting story. Um, yeah, I think, uh, it, do you find that empathy is a, a large part of how stories connect? Yeah, and, um, you know, you, in fact, unless you feel something... Uh, for the person saying the story, either because you like them and you and you want them to be okay, or it, something resonates with you and you think like, oh, I remember that feeling. Unless you have that feeling, unless it floats your boat in that way, a story is never going to move you too much. Um, you know, the, whenever you look at a film director of any Hollywood film, they always say you've got to care about the characters before you start blowing things up. Um, and that's right. In some of the films, I, so I've got teenagers, so I have to go to all sorts of like nonsense, like superhero stuff and so on at the pictures. And there are some that you just look at these things blown up. You just don't care at all. It's just noise. But some of them, you quite like the characters. You identify something in them. You want them to succeed. You don't want bad things to happen to them or whatever it might be. And they're the films that you like best because you care. So empathy is critical. Um, and when you are telling stories, it's essential. You do your best to help somebody join you at the start of the story. So connect with you emotionally before you start your story. Brilliant. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about how you put your stories together, if that's okay. Um, so from what you said earlier on, there's kind of three main bits that you do. You do presenting on stage, you do writing books, and you do sales training. So if we start with presenting on stage... How do you go about keeping your audience engaged with you? Um, so, wow, a, a couple of things really. Um, one of them is to spend a disproportionately enormous time practicing my start. 
So thinking what the first 20 seconds are going to be and knowing that I need to connect with them emotionally and um, uh, empathetically then. So if I, say, spend five hours in total preparing for a one-hour speech on stage, of those five hours, I might spend two of the five on my first 20 seconds. Um, so how people listening to this might apply it um, in their lives is, uh, you might not speak on stage, but I bet you've got a meeting this afternoon. Um, what's your opening sentence going to be? So if you say, this is a latest update meeting, you know, same sort of stuff, different week, let's hear how you're doing. That's one thing. Or you can say, do you know what? I've really been looking forward to today's meeting because there are three things that none of us have thought of before which are about to make a big difference. And that could be your opening line. And all of a sudden, people are leaning forward. They go, cool, what's this meeting? Now, yeah, it's just a boring update meeting, but you've set it up in such a way everyone leans in. So one of the tricks I use when I'm on stage is the way I often get engagement and empathy to start with is I use the words, have you ever, followed by something I know they've experienced. So I was recently talking at a conference, uh, and it's a very important one to me. We've all had important uh, presentations before, haven't we? Whatever that is, to the bank manager, to a customer, for a job interview. Um, and I spoke to a few people who were in the audience saying, what's your biggest pain about sales and communication here? And they were all saying, oh, our conference calls. I and mean, they're just nightmare. So my opening sentence, I used to have you everything. And I said, good morning, everyone. I have a question for you. Have you ever been on a conference call that was rubbish? And straight away, they all go, oh, yeah. And they all think, oh, he gets us. They go, or have you ever been to a meeting and thought, well, there's an hour of my life I won't be getting back. Um, have you ever watched a presenter, uh, sorry, a presenter with very wordy slides and the presenter has just read the slides out to you and you've looked at them and thought, I'm losing the will for you to live? You know, or something like that. And so this have you ever, what it does is it gets people straight in there because they have experienced it. So a very simple thing, if you're doing a presentation to a lot of people, what you do is you find out what these people's pain points are and then say, have you ever before that? It's a great way to get people thinking, oh, he gets us in just one sentence. Excellent. And then how do you keep them engaged? So how do, how do you stop it becoming kind of a rambling monologue? How do you keep them engaged maybe 40 minutes into the presentation? Okay, cool. So um, the key word there is variety. Um, there are some people, you watch them on telly and they have or some of the TED Talks, they just have the gift of the gab and you can just watch them just read out a shopping list to you and it'd be amazing. Um, I don't think I'm blessed with that. I mean, uh, very nicely people have said they, they think I'm interesting on stage, but I think the main reason is because of the variety I use. So I never, ever see it as a 40-minute presentation, Paul. I see it as I'm doing 22-minute presentations. So the first one is the have you ever to get them going. The next two-minute one is I'll tell them a story about that um, Coca-Cola example. The next two minutes is I'll apply it to the sales presentation they've got next week. The next two minutes I'll get them to do an interactive exercise with their partner. And so then obviously they don't all last two minutes, but it's that sort of thing. So I never see it as one long thing. I see it as loads of tiny things that I'm joining together. And as long as each one is interesting in its own right, then at the end people think, God, that's gone quickly. And do you use this same principle when you're writing your books? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, uh, I, I just, I don't know if it's a thing that, I mean, all the research I've done about how people have, you know, finite attention spans, we all know that. Um, and I, I think I just believe that um, keep giving value, keep being interesting, 
but vary how you do it. So in my book, some of the chapters are quite short, some of them are a bit longer, but if they're longer, I'll always vary the layout on the pages. I speak to my publishers a lot about this when I send them, say, quite a long chapter. I say, we need to break this up visually, so this needs to be in a box, we need to do a flowchart here. At the end of each chapter, there's bullet point reminders of the next steps. Um, I use analogies as often as I can. So I'm always thinking page number 28, say, has to have something different in it to page 27. And that's just my simple rule. So when I'm reviewing my books at the end, you know, because you wouldn't believe how many times you have to edit these things, um, I'm always making sure that every page is a little, has something different to the last one. So no one could ever accuse it of being one long rant. And when you're using stories in the sales process, when you're teaching sales, I, I heard a presentation from you a couple of months ago, um, and, and you talk about telling a specific story at a specific point within your sales process. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what that story should entail and where, kind of whereabouts it should come and how integral it is to the, the sales process? Okay, yeah. So stories are, they're brilliant, but as far as the sales pitch go, they are a means to an end. And what I mean by that is the end is you want the customer to buy your stuff. Yeah. And the story is part of that. Now, I've seen many sales pitches ruined by a brilliant story, which sounds really strange. Well, it is. They told the story, but the customer loved it, but they didn't buy anything. So what you have to do is you have to tell the story in a way such that people think, all right, I'll give you my money to go through that. And this is how you do it. Um, um, I always think of sales as a three-step process, what I call my ABC. So the, the A is the afters. And what I mean by that is you find out where the customer wants to be after your work together. So if you work in marketing... Don't say, tell me about the campaign. Say, what do you want the marketing campaign to cause after we've finished? If you work in IT, don't talk about your IT. Say, why do you want this new IT? What impact are you looking to have? If you do my job, you don't ever say, um, so do you want a training course or not? You say, three months from now, what do you want your team doing that they're not currently doing? So you always look at the future. Nobody ever wants the thing. They want the afters of the thing. You don't want a newspaper. You just want something to do on the train after you bought it. You don't want glasses. You want to see better. You don't want toothpaste you want clean teeth and nobody wants what you do they want what you cause so the first step of selling is to find the future that your customer wants so why are they considering engaging with you what's the happy future place they want to get to what are their afters that's the a the b once you know where they want to be in the future the b is you then build your case and this is where stories come in so let's say i'm talking to somebody and they are absolutely desperate to start exporting into belgium and I found out why, but ultimately, as long as they are convinced they can get into Belgium, they will work with me. So when I'm doing the B, the build my case, there is no better way of proving I can get them into Belgium than telling a story of when I've done it before. Now, this sounds really obvious, but actually people don't normally sell like this. I mean, if you look at pretty much any sales pitch, people say, we were founded in 1922, here's a map of our offices, this is a list of all the different things we do. And then somewhere along the line, they say, here's our 10-step process for getting you into Belgium. But all that does is it talks about your past, not my future. It's boring, and I want it to be interesting. And then you tell me your process for getting into Belgium, but you don't give me any evidence it works. I could tell you my five steps for um, talking to someone on a Friday night at a disco if you're looking for love. And at the end of that, you go, Andy, I understand these five questions, but have you ever actually... Um, found love on a Friday night. I go, well, well, no, not really, no. <laughs> so just because I tell you my steps doesn't mean it works. 
So there's a simple poem when you're selling, which is facts tell, stories sell. Don't say facts, say stories. So this is how your ABC would work. You do the A, find out the afters, finally want to get into Belgium. You then would build your case and you would tell it by saying this. Um, okay, so you want to get into Belgium. Well, I can help you do that. I've done it before. In fact, one of my customers now has a 15% market share in Belgium because of the work we've done together. And with your permission, I'll quickly run through that now and how I think what I learned on that work could be relevant for our work together. So can you hear what I'm doing here? I'm saying you want to get into Belgium. I can help you get into Belgium. And then I tell the story. And the keywords here from a selling point of view are in reverse. So normally when people sell, they do case studies. But normally case studies go chronologically. So this is the background. This is what we did, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately the market share went up. No. Nope. Don't do that. Flip it round and say, you want to get into Belgium? I can help you get into Belgium. I did it with somebody else. Their market share is now 15%. Let me work backwards and tell you how I did it. So if you like, you get the empathy thing first because they want to get into Belgium. Yeah, that, then they're all excited. They think Belgium. And then you go backwards. And at the end, they're saying, so how did you do it? And then, of course, you'll say, and this is how I thought we might map that across to you. How does this sound? And then people get very excited. Now, of course, anyone listening to this will go, Andy, I get this. I get Belgium. What's the C stand for? Well, the C of my ABC, A, find the afters, B, build your case, and then C is close it off. So you then need to close it using some influencing technique or some closing thing. And um, I can talk about that if you want to. Um, yeah, if you could give us just, just a, a small small sample of how you would close, that would be great. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a number of ways you can do it. The, the easiest way to explain it quickly, because I know we don't have ages now, Paul, is um, to use options. So um, if you want to get anyone to do anything, you have to ask them. Um, and secondly, when you ask them, you don't want to ask them a yes, no question. So if I say to my kids, um, and anyone listening who has children will know this, if you say to the kids, would you like to go to bed now? A child just look at you like, no. And the reason they say no is, well, they didn't want to go to bed, but also the question I asked was, do you want to go to bed? Yes or no. So I can't really complain when they say no. So what I do is I give them options and say, hey, kids, it's going to be time for bed soon. I know you're playing now. So when do you want to go? You can go to bed in five minutes or if you want. You can have a bit of a late night and go to bed in 10 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, which you want. And so they're all excited and they choose one of them. Or if they don't choose one of them, they'll say, can we do 12? And you go, yes, all right, because it's within the same ballpark. So the way you might close it down is you would say at the end of the ABC process, you'd say, so there's two ways we can get you into Belgium. Great news, we have two alternatives. One way is we can do approach like this, da-da-da-da-da, um, and that's, that's by far going to get the best, quickest results, and the price for that is, I don't know, 100 grand. Um, another way we can get in there, not quite as quickly, but it would work extremely well for you, um, is this, da-da-da, but that would cost 70 grand. So we have two options here. Um, which of those two do you feel is most appropriate? So just as I say to the kids, when do you want to go to bed? You're saying to the customer, which do you want to buy? And that's much better than, are you going to bed? And are you going to buy? So as a simple rule, never, ever say to the customer, it's 100 grand, do you want it or not? Because they could easily say not. It is genius. And that approach has worked very nicely on my daughter, trying to get her to go to bed. <laughs> so um, def <laughs> definitely use that at home. And uh, since I heard you say it, I've used it with every client and uh, it definitely works better than just a yes, no. Um, so you've talked about kind of using the right language there. Mm -hmm. How important is using the right language when telling your story? Oh, it, it's utterly essential. Um, 
And although you don't want to script it so you sound like a um, wooden robot, I've got my analogies all confused <laughs> so you sound wooden or you sound like a robot, um, you, you don't want to sound like that thing, um, but you do need to script it enough so you make sure you say certain things correctly. So, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, disappoint you or anyone listening here, Paul. I have told that story about my mum before, um, but I, I'm very careful when I say it because uh, you've got to use the right language. Um, when you do so, and I want to do it in a way that people go, oh, yeah, I can get that. I can get that he loves his mum. I can get that he respects the, um, her, his relationship with her. Um, that makes total sense to me. Um, and very often the only way I find to get, what's a good way to put this, absolute certainty you've got your language right is to test your story out on someone else. Um, what I say a lot of people do with stories is they think about it in their head, but they never say it out loud. I never understand that. That means the first time you say it out loud is when it's live. Um, but even if they try it out loud, if they don't try it out loud to somebody else, you don't get feedback from anybody else. And, and with communication, I mean, people who do my job always bang on about the two eyes, which is intention and impact. When you speak, you have a certain intention, but the impact it has on others might be different. So I might say to you, I was founded in 1922 and my intention is to convey history and gravitas, but the intention is, sorry, that's my intention, but the impact's on you is you think, so you tell me you're old. And then I go, I'll show you the map of my offices. My intention is to show you how global I am, but the impact's on you is you think, so I've got to pay for your big office distribution, have I? So intention and impact are really important. So you can have what you think is a really good story. That's your intention, but you don't know the impact on others unless you try it on others. And I just do not understand why the first people you would try it on would be a real live audience when it mattered. You know, you're much better off. Just get somebody you trust, um, your friend, your wife, your husband, one of your mates. You know, if you want, Andy at andybounds.com, drop me an email and say, ring me up on this number, let me tell you my story, and I'll give you some feedback on it. But just find somebody who will help you. That's, that's really good advice. And uh, you've talked a lot about planning Already you talked about kind of two hours of your five planning, your, your opening 20 seconds to, you, to your talk and whatever. So when it comes to planning your story, do, do your stories have a particular structure? Um, how do you go about planning the, the story itself that you're going to use in any of these contexts? Um, so the, my plan is simply, my stories always have four parts. Um, it has the start to get people engaged, so it might be the have you ever um, or it might be, you know when, or um, did any of you see X the other day, or have you ever tried to get your kids to go to bed, or I might use an emotion, I might say, do you know what I've always found a bit embarrassing? You know, just anything at all that make people go, what's your next sentence, Andy? Yep, and I spend ages on that, so that's the start. The second thing is then the, is the, is the thing of the story, the, the, the nub of the story, if you like, um, um, and the simple way to remember that is people tend to like personal stuff and or funny stuff. You know, so like six months from now, someone says, did you hear that Andy Bounds and Paul Phil and have the chat? Um, someone might say, oh, yeah, isn't he the guy with the blind mum? Because it's personal. Yeah. Or they might say, oh, he gets his kids to go to bed, doesn't he? Yeah, so people remember things. Like that, and people remember funny things as well. Um, the third part is, is you'd expect the story needs to have an end. And so you say, and so basically that's how I got them to go to bed. So just a quick summary. But the fourth one, and this is really important when you tell stories, is you have to make a macro point based on your micro story. So what's the big point you're making 
compared to your small life. So when I ran through the thing with mum, I said I got the introduction, hopefully engaging so people thought this sounds interesting. I told my story and I said, so, and, and that's how you communicate with blind people. That was the end. And then I made the macro point. So when you're speaking to people, you might not know physically blind people, but they are blind to your charms. So you need to da da da. And it's very important. People often forget this final stage, Paul. Unless you say, here's the macro point which is helping you, based on the micro story about me I've just told. Unless you do that, people think you've just told a story. And even if it's the world's best story, it won't help them when they go back to the desk. And I'm a big believer one of the main things you do when you communicate is you help the person who's heard it. And it's not helpful enough just to be entertaining. You have to be entertaining and give them something when they leave. Spot on. That's a, a, a cracking yeah, crack way to look at it. You have a very good knack of being able to simplify things. Um, and, I, and I assume that comes from that being able to communicate with your mum. I've, I've read books and books and books on how to tell stories. And if you've ever read Hero with a Thousand Faces, the language in that is so complex and it's such a, a long story. And that's kind of the go-to book. And you've just summarized it in what, three minutes and four points. And that's, that's essentially storytelling so that's that's great Andy thank you for that um so I wonder if I could just uh finish with a few quick fire questions if that'd be all right um so when you hear the word story who comes to mind and why um that's a good question I think it depends um what I've most recently done um so uh so uh, on the train this morning, I was reading about the new Harry Potter stage show. So just when he said stories, then my mind went straight to Harry Potter for some reason. So um, J.K. Rowling and so on. So um, uh, there are certain people who tell very good stories. Um, so I, I know you'll be talking with Brian Adams. He tells a great story. Um, Ivan Meister, Dr. Ivan Meister, a B&I, they're brilliant people. Uh, certainly, if you haven't listened to those guys yet, listen to them. They're brilliant people. They tell really good stories. Um uh, some of the, uh, you know, some of the big sort of American speakers, you know, your Tony Robbins and your, you know, Chet Holmes and um, Alan Weiss, people like that. They're they're very entertaining. Um, uh, the the thing with them is they have the macro point at the end. If say you look at um, some sort of some of the TED videos, if you're not careful, it's just an interesting story, but you can't do anything with it. Though there are some brilliant ones on there. I think um, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, he's called. Um, that's if you haven't seen that TED video about education, it's just hilarious um, and it's so enlightening. Um, so uh, it's a bit of a washy answer this because I think a lot of people tell great stories. Uh, it depends who I've most recently seen, but the ones I like best are the ones that make me feel something, but also give me something I can use or take. So I don't just want to be entertained; I want to be helped. And can you recommend any good books or websites, blogs, podcasts about storytelling? Well, I think certainly the people you're speaking to, I would, re- I would absolutely, heartily, passionately recommend anything that you see um, from, from Brian or from Ivan and some of the other people you've got um, on there. Um, uh, I love uh, Alan Weiss's stuff, this American consultant. I'll spell his surname in case you want to Google it. It's W-E-I-S-S. Very entertaining, very, very clever guy. Uh, well worth listening to. Um, but I think that the main thing is that when you find something that you like, if you, if you relay it to someone else, probably they'll like it as well. So I found it very easy to tell you that story about Fred Lee and his mum going into hospital because it resonated so much with me. If, if that story didn't resonate with you, you'd never tell it as well. 
So I think the main advice I would give with that is is look around, find stuff you like, and then think, you know, how can I make that mine? How can I make it useful? Not absolutely not copying, but how can I learn from that so I can educate others? Excellent. And and final question for you, Andy. Where can we find out more about you? Uh, where can we find you online? Where can we find you uh, in bookshops, etc.? Okay, so um, as far as the books go, Amazon's the obvious place for that. Just type in Andy Bounds. Um, the uh, I have a monthly, uh, sorry, not monthly. I have a video club. So people who like hearing my stuff, we've got loads of people who are on that. So I've got lots of videos about how to tell stories, how to win the pitch. Um, how to network, how to influence, and all that sort of stuff. So, and that's andybounsonline.com. So, Andy Bounds, my full name, and then online.com. Um, and I think they'd be the main things. Um, or, of course, just drop me an email at andy at andybounds.com. I always reply, the replies are always my own. Um, so, anyone can get in touch anytime they like. Excellent. We will be sure to do that. So, all that's left to say is thanks very much for, for talking to us. Uh, and for sharing your knowledge with us uh, and uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime soon yeah cool no you're welcome and um, and thanks and I'll speak to you soon all the best thank you for joining us for this episode of Rule the World be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show and visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities that's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.